Welcome to another episode of Views from the Box. Nana, how are you doing? I'm feeling good, fam. Like, what's my team dish out a beating, fam? Like, we took off our belt and just slapped up by Stanbrough. Yeah, today today was a battering. I'm, I'm gassed to look. My country's in the final of the AFCON when a Nigeria shirt. Inshallah, by God's grace, we win. Liverpool, three points, top of the league. I can't complain, but let's let's start with your game today. Let's talk about one of the teams in the three-horse race, Arsenal. 6-0. You beat Liverpool last week. Since the winter break, you've won four in a row, playing well in every single game. Going gotten over your goal drought. Chat to me about Arsenal and how today was and how you feel Arsenal are gonna do going forward in the title race. Obviously, today was just a professional job firm. Like what one thing I liked about today was um when we got the second goal, we went to the third, went to the fourth. We just wanted more and more goals, man. That's very rare of Arsenal. You get me, fam. And also, we beat um our record under Arteta. Um, most goals scored in, in, in a win. It used to be five, but now it's six. So first time we scored six goals under under Arteta in the league. It's also um, your biggest away win in Premier League history. Uh, no, this is the fourth time we scored six away from home. But was it six nil? Yeah. Okay, fair. So you matched it then. Yeah, we matched it. We matched it because um, Arsenal have done it before. Arsenal, um, on the they they done it before. So yeah, man, goals galore, man. The professional job, but that's what I can say, man. I often always say that they can rise. West Ham fans were brewing in more game, dropped two assists and a scored a crack on their head, fam. Now that's the massive fuck you to them, fam. West Ham fans are bloody ungrateful, fam. They didn't force a transfer move. Helped you guys get a, a great fee. Didn't kick up a fuss. Was professional to the end. Him and Pakatarsin and Bowen single-handedly got them for me survival last season. What more can I also that guy? And for the whole game, to be fair though, to be fair though, to be fair, even though that there were boos, Alan Smith did say that the majority of the crowd weren't booing Declan Wright. And also when he scored and came off, he actually got an ovation. Okay, that's calm. Yeah. So like to like to be fair, like I have to give West Ham fans that I can't I can't let them take that because to be fair, that's just Twitter agendas. Alan Smith was saying that the majority of West Ham fans were appreciating Declan Rice and he got a standing ovation. So that's fair. Mm-hmm. West the, ones that, the, the ones that are booing here were, were probably the ones that left at 4 0, fam. Fucking cunts. I would have left at 4 0 as well, I'll be honest. 4 0. Well, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of there. The, the, the ones that stayed here yeah, to boo, yeah. I rate, the, I rate the commitment, fam. I would have done the same, bruv. The commitment to hating, hate, yeah. I'm staying for 90 <laughs> minutes, fam. I'm booing, fam. Yeah, but yeah, man, at six mil, yeah, crazy, man. Like the game, everything we did just was 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 great. There's no no negatives, fam. Like ten out of ten performance. Don't even lie, fam. Like no, no more I can say, fam. Yeah, like, there's not much you can say about that. Everyone was good. If we go through every player, we're just gonna be saying good things about them. But yeah, like, but what I want to say now is Odegaard. Odegaard had a man of the match performance. I, I, I don't like the game to Saka, the Englishman tax, but Odegaard was the best player on the pitch for me, in my honest opinion. Englishman tax and also statistics tax. If it wasn't Saka, no. if it would have been Declan Rice, because you know, with all these things, I always pull up the stats like most goals, most assists, but like best player on the pitch was Martin Odegaard. And he's been your best player for a while now. Like that, the, perform- like, break, yeah. the performance he put in today, he's been putting that for a while, even before the winter break. When you lost 2 0 against West Ham, he played like that. Yeah, the, exact, the exact same way. Since he came out from injury, post. Since Brentford away, he's been one of our better players. Yeah, since I called him out, because I remember calling him out and another and a couple of other players, and ever since then, he's been a seven out of uh, ten. Also, on quick stat, ten big chances created in eleven games, bro. That's now, it's it's brilliant, brilliant. Like big chances are very hard to create. Like 
even today as well, the create chance creation was amazing as well, fam. Out of the six big chances, six big chances we got, five were created by team play, fam. That, that one was a penalty. The penalty account was a big chance to get me, fam. But man, I can't even complain, man. Professional job because the best, like the worst thing that could happen here was beat Liverpool, then drop points to a shit West Ham side. But instead, we went in there and just smacked them up because before the game, Moyes was saying, uh the West Ham and Arsenal's a bit of a rivalry." I'm thinking, brother. Just because they're two fraudulent wins against us, it doesn't mean we're, we're mates, fam. Like, and I, yeah, and so G- what do you expect him to do? You have to G up the boys, G up the crowd. Now, oh, they didn't work, fam. Because, because Arsenal were fired up, fam. Now, of course, it didn't. He was playing against a, a superior team, one of the best teams in England, a team that's going for the league. So, it didn't. also, quick shout to Saka, 22 years old, 100 um, goal contributions for Arsenal in 211 appearances, man. That's fucking amazing. Like, that is. This guy yeah, is doing great things in front of us, yeah. And people are taking for granted for that. How many 22 year olds can boast that type of goal contribution? Like, obviously, I want to like compare that to greats of yesterday, um, Henri's, your Ronaldo's, your Messi's. I, I think those guys were probably on over 100 GNA by 22. I'd, I'd, I'd have to check. One thing I will say is with Saka. Very effective player, very good player. What he's doing at this stage, he's setting a good foundation for potential world class career. And long may it continue. Yes, some people are taking it for granted, but to be perfectly honest, the only people's opinions that matter are Arsenal fans who absolutely love him, Arteta who absolutely loves him, and Gasalski who absolutely loves him. The rival fans are always going to shit on rival players. Look, we were shitting on Phil Foden for the longest, and he's a talented player. People have been shitting on Trent Alexander Arnold for the longest, and he's an absolute talented player. All that matters is the opinion of you, man, Arteta and Gareth Southgate. And if we're being honest, if you speak to people who are hating on Saka, quote and unquote, they're just doing it for banter. They know he's a quality player. Yeah, also, even today, um, it felt like a, a throwback Saka game. Like, he was actually effective, like, in the game. Like, it's not like one of those, this season, whereby he's been productive here, but his overall performance hasn't really matched the level that we know he can produce. Today was one of the few games, I'm just like, yeah, that's a Saka I know. Because... Yeah. I, I said it earlier on the season, yes, he might be getting the goals. Yes, he might be getting the assists. I don't really care too much about that. Yes, that's good for Arsenal. I tune in to watch like a proper performance. Like get me off my seat. And today, Saka was doing more of that today. And long may it continue. He's hit, the, this is the right time to hit these performance levels because we're about to go into the running and Arsenal will need this from the best players. Odegaard was performing like this. Saka was performing like this. Declan Rice was performing exceptionally well. So it's it's exactly what you want from your big players at this point of time in the season. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So um, from, from after today, we've got Burnley away, then Sheffield, then Newcastle. Actually, no. It's Burnley, Bur- Newcastle, Burnley, Newcastle, Sheffield, Brentford, Chelsea. And then two games versus Porto in between before you play Man City. Yeah, so end of the day, max out the the, the, the wins before we go to Etihad. Then from there, it's made the best team win. That that's that's what this team can do. Aim for the Champions League semi-finals and take the, the tap to the final day. That's what I'm gonna say for now, man. Um, clean sheets and also it's trying to rack up more clean sheets between Man City, man. Like we need to end the season strongly. As I said, as I said multiple times, it will do more for this group of players here. To take the title to the final day, then come a comfy third place, because otherwise they won't learn nothing. I much rather they have that they feel the pain of missing out on the final day, so they can be like, "Cool, those eleven points we dropped against Fulham home and away, West Ham at home, Aston Villa away. I, I need them to feel that pain, bro, by taking it to the final day. If we don't, if we don't win it, 
Uh, basically, I'm assuming that Man, Man City absolutely do a mazzling and win it. But takes the final day, and if we lose out, they can take that pain and be like, cool, never again, and move forward with it. That, that's what I want from this team, man. Before we move on to the other teams in the title race, I feel like with the way that you guys are playing, you will take it to the final day. Granted that you keep up these performances because you're creating chances at will. In terms of expected goals in the league, you've created the second highest XG in the league. Liverpool's 52.6, you were 48.7. But in terms of XG conceded per game, you, you are the lowest with 18. And the next lowest after you is Man City. So attacking-wise, you're doing very well. In terms of chances conceded, you're the best in the league. So, with that, you can expect Arsenal to take it to the final day. Yes, there's but still going to be... Put, one but... thing that could um, undo us though quickly, yeah. Today, uh, Champions League is back, so rotation is going to be yeah. very important in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but yeah. As I said multiple times here, yeah, our rotation players are overburdening our starters. Tomiyasu, I just said he had, had a nibble. These times here, yeah, your, your age mates, Endo, even um, Son, who doesn't play for Japan, came straight in on the okay. bench at a bare minimum. But you, Tomiyasu, you came back with a niggle injury. Partey's been, part been out since. Right, Partey, yeah, I'm going to discuss about Partey, yeah, as, of, as, as of today, has missed over half the season, bro. That guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, look, look, let's move on. Let's move on. You're right. There's yeah. no point giving him air time. Jesus yeah. injured yet again. And I agree. I looked at your bench today, and I'm just, I was just thinking, Arsenal need to turn up, which you did, because if you don't, your bench doesn't ex- inspire much confidence. Yeah. And with Champions League around the corner, like you said, that is one thing. I even have that written down here. That's one thing that can derail your title challenge. Injuries and a lot of games. Because, yes, you have very good players, but playing that amount of games, playing 90 minutes, it's not easy, bro. It's not easy at all. Like, the great example is Ben White. When he was out of form during the Christmas break, but we couldn't drop him because Tomiyasu had pulled his calf. Stuff like that could easily fuck us over in the, in the final weeks, man. Like, we need to be able to rotate efficiently because... Arteta this season, for, to his credit, has used the squad much better to the best of his ability. It's just that the guys that are meant to step in aren't fit, bro. Like, ESR today, he twisted his ankle in training. That's why he couldn't play. But we won't play football. Like, unless it's, he seriously sprained his ankle, yeah, there's no reason why he couldn't make the bench. I have twisted my ankle. He, he must have, it must have been serious then. Because, yeah. because Jorginho didn't train all week, but he or didn't train the, the majority of the week and he made the bench. So that means his injury wasn't that serious and he had to make the bench. So for ESR, it has to be serious. But I don't think players miss games for for little injuries, especially a homegrown player. I don't think he'd do that. Yeah, it's unfortunate, man, because we need all hands on deck if we're going to get ticked to the final day, man. And that's, that's what I'm worried about because Porto's coming up in two weeks. And in those games in between Porto and that, it's a great chance to rotate, man. Especially, we're playing Burnley before we play Porto, innit? That Burnley game could be a potential rota- rotation game. You play Burnley, Newcastle, Sheffield yeah. United, um, then Port- the second leg against Porto, then Brentford. So, yeah, that's what rotation is going to be needed, man. But, mm-hmm. yeah, man. moving on to the next team in the tire race, Man City. I feel like what you said about Arsenal with injuries, how that could derail them. I feel like with Man City, the players are coming back at the perfect time and that's what could potentially propel them. They've won every single game since the Club World Cup. They're on a six-game winning streak, doing that silently. Erling Haaland is back. Kevin De Bruyne is back. Um, John Stones is back. It looks like typical Manchester City, second half of the season, the players turn up, the players come back and they might go on another run and win the league. What do you think? Did you watch the game against Everton, by the way? Yeah, man. Like, as most City games, because teams park their bus so deep here, yeah, it's so dry for them. Like, people think if Man City play boring by choice, so 
it's not my choice. They have to play that way because of the way the team set up against yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, the game was mundane, but we all knew that this is that one chance to break the game open and was curtain some. Haaland, great finish off the corner, bang, one no. Foot as the well. one, the second one, he just shifted Bromfrey, fam. But to Bromfrey, to defend Bromfrey, he kind of slipped up a bit. He slipped both. He lost no, no, he slipped. And also, like, to be fair to him, he had a monster game. Him and yeah, Tomsky, they put in a clinic in box defending. And look, that's what happens when you come up against a world-class striker. They're going to make you look silly. You saw what Messi did to Jerome Boateng in 2015, less than a year after he won the World Cup. World-class players do that to good defenders. So, with Bromfrey, he has a good career ahead of him. Also, in my city, uh, I've, I've been banging in the for the whole season. People say, oh, they got, they got they can fill two size. It's not really that. Pep just has a core 20 players here who are fit 80% of the time. They're not passengers. And all of them are able to contribute for a five, eight-game spell without really dropping in quality. But when and truly, Man City only have, like, what, two injury-prone players? John Stones and maybe, I don't know, Doku, because Doku has, has a rep of being injury-prone before coming at Man City. And Haaland, I can't say, even Haaland, you can pass him as probably injury from, but he played 30 games last season and he's on course for 30 games this season, so he can't really pass him as injury from. So essentially, the only injury from player who's a start at Man City is John Stones. I'd add Walker, but Walker's 31, 32, so I'm not going to pick up injury from. And Pepper's done well in mitigating against that. You said John Stones is injury prone, but then he has Ruben Diaz, Akanji, Ake, Gavardio, all to deputize. So throughout the whole season. They really haven't missed John Stones. Last season, John Stones was doing the inverted centre-back thing, but now he's mitigated against that with sometimes Kovacic will play in the midfield, Bernardo Silva will play in the midfield, Matej Nunes will play in the midfield, so he'll, he'll just play a double pivot, so there's no need for the centre-back inverted. You're right. It's why City, second half of the season, can go on these runs. They rotate players. Players are fresh. Last season, I think only two players played 30-plus games in the league, Haaland and Rodri. So it's, 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 easy, it's an easy method, but it's hard to replicate because I know Arteta wants to do this. I know Klopp wants to do this. But unfortunately, we bo- both of our teams have injury-prone pro- players. And kudos to the team with the PEDs that. and doping. I'm onto them. I've, see, I've seen that thread. I'm saying like like Liverpool, you can count like what four injury prone players minimum for Liverpool, and for Arsenal I can count four minimum as well, fam. And out of a a match they could have twenty year, that leaves sixteen players, fam. Yeah, exactly. So like consistently stay fit. So and increases the load on the guys who play who are always available, fam. Like so, injury prone players are a big hindrance to to their teammates, man, because your teammates have to pick up extra shifts essentially because you can't stay fit. Nah, it's it's true, it's true, and. With City, the the games up until they play Liverpool, because they play Liverpool before they play Arsenal. The games yeah, that you'd ex- uh, no, they have um Brentford in the in between us. Uh, no, Brighton oh, okay. rather. It, Brighton or Aston Villa. They have one of those teams in between us. Um, the so games that you expect. City, uh... The games you yeah. So, so on paper, Man City, the three games. The, the games that you'd expect them to win because they're playing Chelsea at home, Brentford at home, Bournemouth away, United at home, and then they have Copenhagen and Luton in between those games. They're all games that, at this stage of the season, you'd expect City to win it. Yeah, also on paper, the games that you could see are complicated for them are Brighton away, you, you guys away, and Arsenal at home. So for them, they're thinking, okay, there's three potential games and we could, could easily drop points. 
and that's what our 15 games that, that, that they have left so they're thinking there's 12 certified w's here if we're on job yeah so for for city in this race they have to go into the game before liverpool winning all the games because if they do that then the destiny is in their own hands all they have to do is beat arsenal beat liverpool they'll be on top of both of us and then just win the remaining games which they've done before and you wouldn't be surprised if they do it again so with city and i and to be honest with everyone with liverpool who we're shortly going to get onto destiny is in all of our hands we just need to be you've beaten us you now just need to be city Yeah, 100%, 100%. Basically, all three of us here have to win every game before we face City. <laughs> yeah. Or before City face us. So, by game week 31, yeah, we'll have a clear idea of, of who has the power going into the final eight games. I feel like after those, that three-game spell for City is going to tell us a lot. I think mm-hmm. after the game against Arsenal, we're going to have a better indication about what, what who has the most power out of us three. But, like you said, with Arsenal... Liverpool at the moment, injuries-wise, it's getting a bit peak. I don't know if you watched the Burnley game. We finished the game with yeah. a back four yeah. of Curtis Jones, Kwanzaa, Van Dijk and Robertson. That is not a back four that is going to challenge for the league. That's nasty, man. Very nasty. And so was like reoccurring injury, peak. Sterling, uh, not Sterling, Trent felt something in his knee. We're getting injuries at the wrong time in the business end of the season. Europa League to come back, a cup final to come. We need players to come back as soon as possible. Yeah, you guys are in a tight position because apparently Thiago's out for the season. It's like they've just written him off for the season. I don't, I don't think you've clocked this and whole season. Gone. Also, by Chetich, yeah, what's up with him, fam? He hasn't even made an appearance this season, fam. He's someone who could also do a job for five, eight games, fam. Like, I, I was very, I, I was hoping to see him a lot this season, fam, but apparently, what? He has a hip injury as well. Is it growing pain? What's up with him as well, man? With, uh, well, firstly, with Thiago, I, this is going to be the last time I'm going to speak on him. I haven't spoken on him this season because for me, he's a concept. Like, thank you for your services, but bro, it's it's time to go Saudi, learn Arabic or Chinese, so deuces. With Bicetic, He's had peak growing pains and Klopp doesn't want to rush him back. So he's still grown into his body and he's still having to adapt to that. It's peak. It's annoying that we've missed him for the whole season because I feel like with the way we've played, building up on the ball, it would have suited him a lot more. He would have helped us playing as a left centre mid, right centre mid and defensive midfielder. But it doesn't look like he's going to feature for this season. It's looking like it's going to be something that our new coach whoever that might be has to experiment with and get him back into the team but yeah we're in a tight position at the moment because after we had our back-to-back draws with you and Manchester United we went on a run where not only did we win we were controlling games and dominating teams for the first time this season and it seemed like we got our tactics right off the ball on the ball but then with injuries happening it just looks off very off games are becoming basketball games again we're not controlling games as much as you'd expect a title challenging team to so unless players come back in my opinion or unless we go back to controlling games if we if we continue to perform like this it'll be hard to for me to say we can take city all the way city and arsenal all the way to the final weeks but it remains to be seen what do you think obviously for now yeah Kanata will be back we'll be back the next game. I'm Connor Bradley. I'm sure after his time of mourning, 
Should be back this week. Yeah. Um, Endo's back. You got Curtis Jones. You got Elliot. So also, Allison was out. Was out. Was out with, with the virus. So your back five picks it so freely from now. Um, Allison, Bradley, Penate, Van Dyke, Robertson, and you got Gomez and Constantino on the bench. Midfield: Elliot, uh, Jones, and, and Endo. And your front three: McAllister as well. So Bosley. Don't know when he's going to be back, but hopefully soon because I can't have Gravenberch playing league games in the running. Like this, this is serious business. <laughs> you, you can't have pretenders playing. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Also, your front three, yeah, Salah's back soon as well. So yeah, man, it's not all doom and gloom for Liverpool in terms of personnel, but I think it's just about navigating the next couple of games. Whilst a couple of men are having to get a few games out just to get their body right, no homo. Because Trent, I, I say yeah. Right off Trent for the next couple of games, so just let him recuperate fully because yesterday it seemed like he had a recurrence of that knee injury because I saw a clip of him chasing back and just didn't, didn't look right. It wasn't like he was being lazy. It was just like he couldn't physically catch up to the player from like you could tell he was in pain. So hopefully it's important that Trent is fit for you for, you for the running time. So if, I, if I'm Liverpool, I'm telling him three, four weeks, just chillax and be ready for a Man City game. You can you can you can take care of Chelsea with Conor Bradley at right back, man. You can, you grab the goal against them, arguably one of the match. We'll be like for him again. So for Trent, I say keep keep him out, man. Let him rest, let him rest, and let, make sure his knee is fully healed for that City game. Nah, I, I I fully agree with you. We just need to navigate these next couple of games. Players need to come back, and look, we have a. 30 title race in store. I feel like between now and when Liverpool play Man City, if Liverpool, Arsenal and Man City can all do their jobs, this title race is going to be one for the books. It's going to be the best one we've seen since 07-08 when it was Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United. So nah, let's see let's see what happens. Right now, I can't predict a winner. If I was going to predict, I'd go City. But everything can change in two to three weeks. So let's see. Yeah, the main thing is uh, um, let's just see what, how the table is looking going into the final eight games, man. So we'll know. Basically, whoever's first place going to the final eight games, the ball's in your court, essentially. But if it's Man City, you are top in the final eight games because they have the easiest final eight games out of all of us. If it's City are the ones in charge, in control, with eight games remaining, it's long breath. If it was Arsenal, we have three hard games on paper away from home. Brighton, United and Spurs. But Liverpool, I don't know how your final eight games are looking. We have um, we have United, we have Villa away, um, we have Brighton, but they're at home. So in terms of hard games, we also have Spurs as well, but that's at home. So we don't really have that many hard games on paper, but we have a lot of potential banana skins that could potentially disrupt us. To be fair, I'll ask to you if, if our teams are serious and we have and we're topping the final eight games, you have to get it done, man. No, no, you, you have to. No, no, of course, no excuse. If you're because by the time in the final eight games, if you're top, that means you haven't lost against Man City. Yeah, yeah, you just have to get the job done. Because if you're top final eight games and you've beaten Man City, it's literally seven wins and a draw, and you're, and you're champions, essentially. But easier said than done. But as yeah. I said, we just look like a great, great final to the season, man. Things are cooking. Things are cooking. No, literally, I feel like you just have to sit back and enjoy it. 
as a neutral, just enjoy it. Yes, it's going to be agendas, but we have three outstanding teams, three very good managers. We just have to sit back and enjoy. But look, listen, you mentioned Chelsea, and it's been a while since we've spoken about Chelsea. We said earlier on in the season, we said, look, we're going to give Chelsea time. We're going to give Pochettino time. I looked at the table today, 20-plus games played, and Chelsea are 11th. Bro, chat to me about Chelsea. Chat to me about the transfer policy. What is your opinion on Chelsea this season? Because this is back-to-back seasons where they're acting like a mid-table team. Yeah, so Chelsea, Chelsea is absolutely disgrace. Um, the fans seem to be of the belief that Poch is the issue and let's just get Alonso and everything will be fine. But first of all, Chelsea fans, yeah, Alonso has no affiliation to you can't spurf. Like, last time I tweeted this year, I hate when modern football fans here, yeah, they'll start naming managers. Yeah, I'm thinking, how does that manager fit in your culture, fam? How does Alonso fit in the culture at Chelsea, fam? You man's culture, yeah, is defensive football. Too short was Chelsea, fam. Too short was Chelsea, fam. That's a Chelsea coach. Alonso is not a Chelsea coach. So you man should look elsewhere. But I digress here. The squad isn't good enough. Chelsea fans need to stand here. You've overpaid for players who ain't done shit in the game, bro. You spent 100 million on a guy here with only six months in Europe. Bowley admittedly bought him off World Cup hype. You bought Caicedo, who didn't even have 100 Premier League appearances here, and made him the most expensive Premier League player ever. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, decisive, not good enough. No, it doesn't make sense at all. Um, Bro, I ha- like, I have the stats of all the players, like, key players that they started and the amount of games that they played, and you're going to be shocked. Jackson, 48 games. Madrid, 40 games. Lavia, 34 games. Caicedo, 52. Enzo, 29 for Benfica. And they, those guys cost us. So, Enzo, 29 for Benfica. Caicedo, exactly. And the thing is, I saw you retweeted a thread on this, and it was very perfect and described where Chelsea have gone wrong. Yes, people can talk about potential and technical quality that some of these players might have. I'm not going to go in that right now that's neither here or there what Chelsea have done is as if they signed Mane in 2014 instead of 2016 when Liverpool signed him yep. it's as if they signed Declan Rice at the start of last season instead of this season look at a lot of players Salah needed two seasons at Roma before he came to Liverpool Van Dijk went to Southampton before he came to Liverpool Juden Haaland had to go to Dortmund before they went to Madrid and City respectively all mm-hmm. these players Enzo's not a bad player. Caicedo's not a bad player. Lavia's not a bad player. Mudrik's not a bad player. Jackson, some of the misses I'm seeing are a bit silly, but I don't think he's a bad player. If these players had longer periods at the clubs that they were at before Chelsea, or they went to another stepping team before they came to Chelsea, then they could be at the standard that Chelsea would need to be like, yes, we're going to challenge for a top four or we're going to challenge for a title. But they went about it the complete wrong way, overplayed, like you said, for potential, for hype, and it's blown up in their face, deservedly so. 100% because, because compared to Arsenal, what Arsenal did in 2021, Ben White had over 100 appearances here in the, in the Football League before coming back to Brighton yeah, and playing 36, 36 league games for Brighton in the Premier League. So he had over 100 games under his belt, playing for different types of coaches, different types of systems. So he, he came in the season um, pro. Gabriel had two seasons at Lille. Two full seasons at Lille before coming to Arsenal. Um, who else did who 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 you, you re-sign in that period? Ramsdale had over 100 appearances as, as a keeper across the Football League and the Premier League. Um, Tomiyasu 
had three years in Serie A before coming to Arsenal. So, before you buy these players here, they need at least two, three seasons here at a stepping stone club before you sign them. And even then, yeah, Chelsea did not have to sign them at these extortionate prices. There's, there's that's, no, that's the other issue. That's that, the other issue. There's no version of Caicedo here that is worth 115 more. That can rise went for 105 more because he had seven years of work under his belt, fam. Seven long years of grinding. Caicedo had, had been a parent for a year and a half. And he made the most expensive midfielder. Not, 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 not just that, the most expensive player in British history. That blows my fucking mind. Like, that's just stupidity, bro. Absolute stupidity. Chelsea fans, they need to direct most of the energy at clearly. Because Mboli has taken a step back here, but Ekbali, that fucking idiot. If I'm a Chelsea fan, yeah, I'm livid, fam. Also, Chelsea fans here are gassing up players like Enzo. I'm thinking Enzo's the antithesis of a, of a Chelsea midfielder, fam. I don't get why they ride for him so hard, fam. Because look at Chelsea midfielder of yesteryear. Essien, Balak, Ramirez, um, Lampard. Um, I'm probably missing a couple of names here, Mikel, bro. Mikel, Mikel, Makaleli, Makaleli. Now, does does Enzo fit in that in that ilk of players with the profiles? Right. In, in, to, in terms of profile, he definitely doesn't. But if Chelsea fans want to gas up Enzo in terms of his technical ability, that's fair enough. But you have to listen to what we're saying. Look at what you've just said with Dexon Rice. He had what seven years as a season pro. Look at what I said with Mo Salah. Virgil van Dijk, the, the, and even the example that you use with Arsenal, you signed Declan, Declan Rice. Declan Rice is the one of the few players that you signed that was meant to come in and transform Arsenal straight away. Every other player that you signed was signed to come and com- compete for their place. So they still had time to develop in Arsenal before they s- settled in the team. Caicedo, if you spend 150 million, I'm sorry, you, you don't get time. You, you, you can't be a record transfer and get time. Ends over 100 million. I'm sorry, time is not given to you. But the CV shows that they need time. But the price that you pay for them, you put them under pressure. You put yourself under pressure. And this is what happened. 11th, 11th place, bro. You're 11th place. You're mid-table. If you look at how well they've done at this stage of the season last year compared to now, there's not much improvement at all. 100%, 100%, because at uh, the end of the day, so this this could have been so now you have a squad bloated with players who have done fuck all in the game. Because how can Palmer here come in here and be looking like one of the season pros and they went for 45 mil? And that's because he's come from a high performing environment here, so he has an example to live up to. You get what I'm saying? Most of these guys here haven't, haven't even experienced a high performing environment for them to even lay on and um, lean on that experience. Um, the reason why Palmer hasn't sunk. And he swam here because he's come from a high-performing environment that he can lean on that experience and being around those type of players. And Palmer is the exception. He's not the norm, though. So, I know, like, exception, but for him, it's rare. It's rare, but but at least he came from an environment here whereby he could learn. He could now take things... DP, he shared a dressing room with Gundogan. He shared a dressing room with Rodri. A dressing room with Diaz. Look at KDB, Harland. KDB. So that, 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 that experience mentality to rub off on him. So even then, yeah... He can now come in and be like, cool, this is my big chance and let me perform and lean on what I've learned. But these guys that they've bought here have not experienced that at all. If Enzo had waited a full season at Benfica and experienced winning the title with him, I'd be like, maybe he'll come in a bit more sure himself, you know, a bit more of a pro. But he bailed halfway through the season like an idiot. Forced to move to mid-table Chelsea for him. Like, I, I, I find it hard to force him for these players here because you followed the check in the generational wealth here to the detriment of your career. And now, yeah, we're meant to force him for these guys. No way, man. No way. 
and the, the fun and the worst one is here yeah, they spent 80 million pounds on Modric here when he had less than 50 career appearances at league level. They bought him off a Champions League run, bruv. Bro, he had less than 50 appearances, like full stops for Shakhtar. He had 40 appearances in total for Shakhtar. That includes eight Champions League games. And out of those remaining 32, some of them were cup games as well. So, bro, like, like they've, they've, they've done a poorly. And just to piggyback on like what you're saying, another thing, because you're getting on to Clear Lake. For me, Clear Lake had two clear examples of if you buy a team with a lot of money, how to go about it. You had Chelsea under Roman Abramovich. You had City under Abu Dhabi. Now, what those two teams, Two uh, people did that were in common between all three, all uh, three, all four, and all four or five. Chelsea bought Peter Cech, Carvalho, Ferreira, Makaleli, Thiago, Duff, Robin, Drogba. So they bought two out of three out of the back five, two out of the midfield three, and a complete front three, a whole spine. Man City between 08 or 09, and when they won the league, they got Lescott, Milner, Torre, Silva, Nazi, Tevez, Jekyll, and Aguero. An actual spine. Lescott uh, partner, Colo Torre, Vincent Company. James Milner was in the midfield. Torre was in the midfield. Nazi, Silva. So you had players there that you said can come into the team, start, and be reliable. If I go to you now and say, what's Chelsea's best centre-back partnership? Do they have a solid midfield? Do they have reliable forwards that can get them goals? The answer to all of that is no, and they spent a billion. So the blueprint was there, and they did not follow it at all. And for me, it makes it hard to feel sorry for them when that happens. Like, it seems like these owners here are at like 15 year old virgins who get on FM and buy their dream players that they love. Because even the ends of Castillo Midfield here, profile wise, it doesn't make sense. No matter how Chelsea fans have tried force and say, yeah, long term, this is a pivot here, they do not complement each other. Castillo is not a six, he's not a defensive midfielder, he's a box to box similar in the Kante mode. Get the ball progressive from A to B via by carrying or playing it to more expansive players. Enzo and Caicedo long term cannot work in a pivot. And then you have the addition of Lavia. Does a Lavia, Enzo and Caicedo midfield here guarantee you goals and assists? Or even chance creation? No, it means that you have to allow your fullbacks now to create your chances as what Liverpool did to an elite level between 2018 and 2020. But even then, in Liverpool went out and bought Thiago to add an extra layer to the chance creation because after a while, yeah, it becomes predictable. And people remember, yeah, Robertson and Trent, yeah, were just generational at, at a amount of chances they were creating from out wide for them. So even then, yeah, that's not even sustainable for them because no one can be Trent and no one can be Robertson for them. The level that them two were playing that for that, for that two-year period? Hard to fake. replicate. Fake, hard to replicate. And James, who can probably come close to that level, yeah, is, can't play more than 25 games a season. So... Like, Chelsea fans need to be very honest because they seem to think yeah, a new manager comes in, yeah, we're going to be challenging with the full straight away. Your squad is poor. Cool, the players look good on paper, but they do not complement each other. Chelsea fans need to admit this. Their players do not complement each other. They're going to make a, a lot of hard decisions in the next 18 months. Out of Caicedo, Lavia and Enzo, who do you keep? Who's going to be the main team in midfield? Because those three, in my honest opinion, cannot coexist long term. Because if you compare, let's say that that becomes their main midfield three in, in the next three, four years. Compare that to what Arsenal can put out. Compare that to what City can put out. Compare that to what Liverpool potentially might put out in the future. Even a uh, Elliot Jones and a proper DM midfield for Liverpool here clears that 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 Chelsea midfield I just mentioned. Hey, Newcastle's midfield fully fitted, but that Joe Linton, Tonali, and um, 
Bruno G is better than that midfield than that Chelsea midfield. Man- Manchester United midfield, yes, on paper they might not be the best, but in terms of how they actually play on the pitch, is better than Chelsea's midfield. Spurs' midfield is better than at the moment is better than Chelsea's that that midfield that we said. Yes, like you said, on paper they might look good, but in terms of the way they complement each other, it doesn't work. And we we it's the proof is in the pudding. Because one thing I will say is though. Chelsea, no, no, Chelsea, no matter how much they like to shit on Declan Rice, Declan Rice is a Chelsea midfielder. On paper, yeah, it should have been Rice, Enzo, plus Mount. That would have been a perfect midfield. All the profiles come from each other. Rice and Mount are dual winners. They they get down and dirty. Enzo, the playmaker. So you have Mount, Mount high up. Enzo will be progressing the ball to Mount in the half space. And Mount can do his thing. And Rice will just clean up. Third. That's, that's, a, that's, Midfield building because the profiles come from each other, but Enzo, Caicedo, and Lavia, I, I, I hope the, the profiles come from each other. They could prove me wrong, but they don't come from each other, in my honest opinion, man. And Chelsea fans will see this in the next 18 months because Chelsea fans, Chelsea fans, I'm telling you now, no manager is a silver bullet to success, bro. No way, even if it's Ruben Amarim or Hansi Flick, they're gonna have to come and make a lot of sacrifices because I'm sorry, a lot of these profiles that you've bought. Do not come from each other, and that's a bigger problem than the coach. Cool, Potts can do better. Very truly, Potts shouldn't be struggling to come top six because there's, there's still enough quality there yet to you know be a decent top six side. But the profiles do not marry well, and it's called cool. it we'll get, a, a long to Potts on a later date. Now I fully agree, and I feel like, like you said, in the next eighteen months, we're gonna see because these players have had eighteen months longer, a couple of transfer windows, and I just feel Chelsea they're in for a long, rude awakening. But before we round up, you mentioned Alonso at the start of the Chelsea segment, Leverkusen versus Bayern. Bayern got absolutely destroyed. It was men against boys. Bayern did not have a sniff. I tweeted, it looked Leverkusen looked like a team that was well drilled. Bayern looked like 11 strangers. Leverkusen knew when to press, when to set back, the build-up, when to go short, when to go long. They were slicing through Bayern at will, and Bayern could not create anything. I don't think Leverkusen's keeper had to make a save all game. What did you think of the game? Uh, to be fair, I had, had that game on here and the room to game on for so I was just doing back and forth. I was watching okay, okay. But from, from what I caught here, Bayern have a sniff, man. Like, one ball, literally one ball and Leverkusen were in, as in, like, in on them, yeah. Running out on two or five on three. If you just what I call it, this is, this is a chance creation coming up. So, yeah, Tuchel absolutely got schooled, man. Like, I don't know what was happening with Tuchel and coming against Basque coaches, man. Always getting his ass. <laughs> like, he used to, I don't know who offended up in Basque. He used to ask forgiveness for because every time he faces a Basque coach, he gets done out for him. And if Tuchel becomes the coach, that loses a title. And ends Bayern's tenure dominance here. That is a bad look in Germany, fam. Like that's a very bad, awful, look. awful. Look, awful. It will damage his reputation because he came in, replace like jump onto the mainstream. Yes, I know he replaced Klopp in Mainz, but when he replaced Klopp at Dortmund, he had this massive reputation. Like yes, the new up and coming German manager went to PSG. Yes, won the league there. Took them to the Champions League final all by during a COVID season and that one leg. Won the Champions League with Chelsea, which I still don't think should be a feat that should be disrespected. But ever since those two seasons, his stock has plummeted or his performances have plummeted. The season after they 
won the Champions League. Many people, including us, expected it to be a three-horse three race. He finished 18 points behind Liverpool. The season after that, he gets sacked by Chelsea, I think unfairly, goes to Bayern, luckily wins the league. He didn't does win the league because he's done well as a coach. He wins the league because Dortmund bolted it on the last yeah, day. And, and now, he will potentially be the first coach since Jupp Heidkins in 11-12 to not win the league for Bayern Munich. And I feel like if that happens, his position in tier two managers is under threat. Because I think things change very quickly in football. So Thomas Tuchel, this last 13 games for him, people might think I'm going over the top, but these last two seasons and also what he's achieved since he's left Dortmund, his reputation is under threat, in my opinion, as a top manager. So people to understand it, Bayern sacked Nagelsmann for less, bro. A lot less. Because they sacked Nagelsmann before the Champions League tie with Man City. They sacked him while still in the cup. And they him with him on top of the league, fam, quite comfortably as well. Yep. And then after that, Tuchel got knocked out of the cup. He got absolutely schooled by Manchester City in the Champions League and then won the league, like I said, through the skin of his teeth. It's not looking good. Like, Tuchel, do you find, I just feel like that, that him and, and that Chelsea marriage, they, they, were perfect, they were perfect for each other, man. Honest opinion. Yeah. Um, but, this is what I mean about, about, about coaches being the right fit for a club. Sometimes, yeah, it caps the the scene of the project here, if the coach and the club are in sync and there isn't like a, a match in terms of... Basically, we worked in corporate world before. The stuff about corporate um, company, um, cultural fit is a real culture. thing. Culture. Yeah, yeah culture. it is. It's a real thing, bro. It's, it's a real thing in the corporate world. It's a real thing in the in the in in football. Like, if you look at all of Chelsea's managers that have succeeded, Bob, maybe Carl Ancelotti, but he wasn't there for long. They were... Defense first. There were we keep a clean sheet first, then we score a goal. Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte. Manchester United. We play exciting football, bringing the youth. We attack first. We're Manchester United with the favourites in every game. Matt Busby, Sir Alex Ferguson. If you look at um, Liverpool, it's let me create a vibe with the with the yeah. club. It's us. It's with the fans. It's us against them. We play our way. We use the crowd to support us. Dol Shankly, Bob Paisley, Jurgen Klopp. With Arsenal, you have to be fair, you have to. You have the Arsene Wenger, who was one of a kind, who, yes, he came with the um, famous back four, but then he also played his exciting football. But then you have um, George Graham, who was the boring boy in Arsenal, and then Mikel Arteta has now come and married the two. So you had two sort of like calls yeah. within your club, and Arteta has married it. Thomas Tuchel, in terms of def- defensively, he was a defensively solid coach, and that's why he had success at Chelsea, especially in the cup. I feel like the whole Russia-Ukraine war didn't help him. He had that instability within his team. Also, the fact that they didn't give Rudiger a new contract, which still baffles me till this day. Then he got kicked out of there. So for Tuchel, if fouls him, yes, he can go back to Chelsea. He has to go back. He has to go to a team after Bayern, like you point out that. Thing. It's his culture. Otherwise, like I said, he's standing in tier two managers because before he was tier two and some people put him on the cusp of tier one. I don't think he's anywhere near tier one. I don't think he's anywhere near Pep Guardiola. I don't think he's anywhere near Jurgen Klopp because what they've achieved, especially in the leagues, both in Germany and in England for both Pep and Klopp, Tugel hasn't been able to replicate it. Yeah, yeah, because... People, people, people forget your clock went back to back with Dortmund against peak Bayern. Like, Trouble winning Bayern. Yeah, with relatively unknown players as well. Because we didn't know who Lewandowski was pre-Klopp. 
We didn't know who Goetze was. We didn't know who Kagawa. Was. Bam. Reds were known players were both for cheap. They bought um Lewandowski for like less than was like three more from like Poznan. Yeah. So yeah, man. Too short. As I said, that that for me, I, I don't feel like he fits in at, at Bayern Munich, man. Same way Nagelsmann didn't fit in. Tuchel doesn't fit in, and I think eventually they will have to part ways. In honest opinion, and Bayern here, if they're not careful, they're entering their Man United arc, friend. Eric Dyer. Yeah. What's, what's the rubbish is that? And Bro, two, the fuck from yeah. And two hiring Nagelsmann and Tuchel, who aren't quite. For me, the last time they had a Bayern Munich coach that you can say, yeah, Bayern Munich, you pankies. That was the last coach. You pankies, yeah. I had a epitomized Bayern. Obviously, Pep was nice, but Pep is Pep. Anywhere he goes, he'll be a success because he, he's generational firm. So you can put Pep anywhere that has the most money, most influence, he'll do well. So that doesn't mean about culture firm. But the last Bayern coach that epitomized Bavarian culture was your pankies, in my honest opinion. And until they find that again, Bayern, they might be looking at a couple years in the wilderness. But they're very lucky that the league is very weak for them. And they're very lucky that Klopp is leaving a year early. Otherwise, Alonso had a chance of doing a, a back-to-back or potentially having a, a spell of dominance, in my honest opinion. But let's see how, what the future holds for Bundesliga. But for, for the league itself, they better pray that Leverkusen stay competitive even after Alonso probably leaves. Because otherwise, no one's watching that league again. Because Kane... And Alonso, the reason why people are tuning into that league for bro. Yeah. So moving forward, yeah, like if I'm buying fan, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, we're going to win the league regardless next season, cool. But for the for the sake of that league, I need buying to enter the Man United arc. Hundred percent. It's just unfortunate that Dortmund are, are fully focused on play on, on this player development bullshit and so profit. Let's see if Leverkusen Le- are serious about you know building a, a legacy and actually win some trophies. Now let's see, but before we wrap. Round up. Uh, this is not even going to be a discussion, just a comment. Bayern Munich have won every league title since 12-13 up until last season. They signed Harry Kane and they might not win one. Hmm. Oh, that, yeah. Uncomfortable <laughs> conversations. If Bayern, <laughs> if Bayern yeah, go a season without a trophy for the first time in over what? In over 12 years, yeah. It's just people Kane in it. I'm sorry, Kane, but you, you're a bad omen, fam. <laughs> you're a bad omen, fam. But I believe next season they'll, they'll probably be back because, as you know, Bundesliga teams they don't know how to maintain um, don't, um maintain competitiveness. 